Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, Chris Jericho. And now, here is your host, Rob Paspani. Wow, what a huge edition of Squared Circle Pit I have for you today. It's Rob. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the intersection of metal and pro wrestling, Squared Circle Pit. We have a man on the show today who uh, no other person better better fit into this Venn diagram than Chris Jericho, the frontman of Fozzie, pro wrestling legend, future Hall of Famer. And I got a chance to talk to him yesterday. And Chris has been a busy guy promoting the new Fozzie album, Judas. And the day before, this past Saturday... He went to three different time zones. He had three different shows with his band uh, in three different states. One was in Fort Myers, Florida. One was in Texas. And then one was in Las Vegas. Then he flew all the way to New York to do a bunch of press on Sunday. Because Chris Jericho is a madman. And one other thing Chris Jericho is, is a success. And a lot of the conversation we talk about is how you got to just get up and do it. And if you want to do something, you just got to go and do it. We also talk about pro wrestling, about his amazing year in the world of pro wrestling that he just completed possibly his best run ever with Kevin Owens. We talk a little bit about his writing partner, Jimmy Jacobs. And we talk about the new Chris Jericho Cruise. Obviously, we also talk about the new album Judas from Fozzie. And about just Chris Jericho, how he does it all in his podcasting show. Lots of cool stuff. I don't know why I'm continuing to ramble. I know you're not here to, to hear me ramble. You're here to hear here to hear <laughs> the interview with Chris Jericho. So I'll, I'll get to it. I just want to quickly remind everyone, I'd love to hear your feedback on what you thought of the interview. You can tweet me at Squared Circle Pit, no E in circle, or Rob Injection on all social media. Also, Squared Circle Pit is on Facebook, facebook.com slash Squared Circle Pit. That's enough chatting. I'll hit you up on the other end. Here's my talk with Chris Jericho. Actually, one more quick thing. I have a new copy, a fresh, fresh copy of Jericho's new book, No is a Four-Letter Word, How I Failed at Spelling but Succeeded at Life, it is a self-help book, and it could be yours. All you got to do is answer this trivia question. Who was Chris Jericho's first WCW pay-per-view opponent, and what was the name of that pay-per-view? Email me, rob at metalinjection.net. First person to get it right, the book is yours. All right, let's get to the Jericho interview. Now entering the squared circle pit is uh, a man of many commas, actor, entertainer, singer, author, Chris Jericho. Thank you, sir. I'm here. That's me. Uh, it's an honor to talk to you. The moment I started this podcast, the intersection of metal and wrestling, you're the first one to talk to. Anytime I talk to any wrestlers, I'm like, who's the most metal wrestler? They name Chris Jericho. And, uh, and what I love about your career is you always snuck in a little metal with your career with like the walls of Jericho, the Halloween reference, and then transitioned into metal and now have a successful career. And I feel like this year, it's like your renaissance phase. <laughs> you had your best run as a wrestler. You released a great album. You have a new book. You're a busy man. 
Yeah. <laughs> you agree with all of that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> your, your, your facts are true. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a pretty busy actual fall with a new book, a new record, and a cruise mm -hmm. all right within cruise, like yeah. a six-week period. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like those uh, – wasn't planned that way. Just sometimes when you work on these projects, they all culminate at the same time, and you just got to go with it. So mm -hmm. it was just a real coincidence to where when I'm posting all this stuff on Instagram and Facebook and all these other places, I have to um, – like stagger it yeah so it's not like all at once because you don't want to have like a jericho overload mm -hmm. but it's a good thing like like all of these like the cruise was two years of planning mm -hmm. the record was about a year and a half the book was about a year and they all just kind of were deemed to be released or announced around this same time frame so uh it's a little bit confusing at times but it's all good stuff and it's all stuff i've been working on for a long time and you're you're quite a workaholic you've been promoting the book and then now you're, you're you're kind of transitioning into the Fozzie's promotion yesterday you were in three different states you were the limousine riding jet flying <laughs> person with pretty close yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we decided to do something um that had never been done before and that was to do three shows in three different time zones in three different cities in one day mm -hmm. So once again, with lots of planning and, and uh, working on all the logistics and all the things that we had to do, um, when the record Judas was released on Friday, we wanted to do it the day after. Yeah. Because nowadays records come and go so fast, and, and, and it's all about the first week. Like what's that first week number? And then it kind of disappears. So we wanted to do something a little bit more um, intricate than just putting the record out, and that's it. Do something that people could talk about, that could buzz about, that could cause a little bit of a of a fear, so to speak. Yeah, get the publicity going. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, publicity going and tweeting. just said something just fucking cool. You know yeah. what I mean? Like something that, like, once again, like this is something that, like, I would have expected Van Halen to do, like, in 1981. Or something right, that right, No one right. has ever done it. So we started in Fort Myers at 9 a.m., then we got to El Paso at 3.30, and then we did Vegas at 11.30. And uh, it was grueling. I'm feeling it today. Mm -hmm. But it was worth it. We rented a private jet, Air Fozzie, and... Did the damn thing, and it was really, really cool. It was really when cool. you got to that Las Vegas show, were you still hype? Were you ready to yeah, go? Yeah, I, I had a little bit of time off in between. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. like You can't be tired when you do a show. Like I don't care if you're tired. Get out of it. Get over it. Yeah. You know? Do you have it? Like, what do you do if you are feeling a little down and need to like pump usually, yourself up? Usually the adrenaline of just being in the crowd, you know, when, as soon as the intro music starts. For me, it, for me, it's uh, you put your suit of armor on, so to speak, and mm -hmm. it's, you know, the, 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 the stage wear. And then when the intro hits, that's when you get into it. And if there's a crowd, a big crowd, and they're cheering, that gives you a lot of a vibe, too. Coffee's always good. I'm a big five-hour energy guy as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like, hey, man, tough luck. You're tired because you did three shows in one, in one day? Well, that's what we asked for. We knew it was yeah. going to happen. So there really is no time to be tired. Uh, it's not like it's a surprise of what we were doing. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's like a big uh, theme of your, your new book knows a four letter word is just, you know, you got to go out there and do it. You got to want it. Like, I love the, yeah, you can't make excuses. Right. And the, the, the forward by Paul Stanley, the first line, like anything is possible if it's truly possible. And I, right. and I, I, I think that's such a great quote to go by and you're living. Well, and the right. thing is too, is, is, I like Paul's take on it because people say anything is possible. Well, let's let's be honest here. Like 
okay, let's say I want to be the, the center for the L.A. Lakers. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to happen. I'm right, a five-foot-ten-inch right. white guy <laughs> from Winnipeg, Canada that's never shot a basketball in my life. Right. Um, so that's not possible. Yeah. But to be in a rock band with a top ten single, that's possible if you got talent. To be a wrestler, yeah. that's possible if you got talent. You put in the time. You know? yeah, yeah, put in the time. And, and, and so there really is – you know, that sort of a vibe and you got to be passionate about it. You got to really want it and you got to make the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And like I said, making excuses, oh, I'm too tired or like, you know, are you going to come to the show tonight? Well, I'll try, but like, no, it's fuck that. Either you do it or you don't. Yeah. You know, and that I've always been on the side of just do it. And if you do think like, oh, I have work tomorrow, whatever, you don't really want it. Cause if you really right, wanted it, you would be there. Yeah. I had work today and I had work last night and I got fucking yeah. work tomorrow and I'm going to be doing it. Do yeah. I want to do it? Do I want to get up at 8 in the morning and go do press for 10 hours with the new album? Well, I could think of things that are more fun. But also, yes, I want to do it because we spent a long time doing this record and you want people to hear about it. Right, you right. You want people to know about it. I mean, Chinese Democracy comes out. It's a great record, but nobody has it because Axel wouldn't do any promo for it. Even right. Axel Rose has to go do promotional stuff. So so does Fozzie, so does Chris Jericho. And like I said, whether it's a book, an album, a cruise, I want people to know about it so that they can make the decision if they want to buy it or not. Because yeah. that's what determines if these projects that I'm doing are a success, if people buy them. Right, and it, it, a lot, it shows people that you're worth investing in and working with, and, and it yeah, opens up exactly. new yes, avenues. You know, if it's your book company or a record label or whatever it may be, once yeah. again, using the cruise too, you got to let the people that are in charge know that if they get in, into bed with Chris Jericho, I'm going to work my ass off to promote the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think is very valuable because yeah. there's a lot of people, a lot of bands that don't want to do in-store signings. It blows my mind, but you hear it. people bitching about doing press and all this sort of stuff. It's like, you don't want to do press? Give it to me. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, you'll do the press. Give it to yeah. my band. We'll do everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a rule in Fozzie that we don't turn down any interview. And that doesn't mean Chris Jericho is always going to do it. It could be Billy Gray. It could be Rich. It could be Frank. It could be Polly. But if you want Fozzie for your whatever it may be, mm. website, podcast, you'll get somebody. Yeah. And that's. You'll make it happen. You'll always, get the name out always. there. And you know, one thing uh, I really admire, like following your career, not to blow you up too much, but uh, you always put your best foot forward, I feel. And. Uh, uh, you don't sell yourself short. Like one example, I remember when you when Fozzie first got signed, it was to Megaforce, if I'm. Yes. Uh, and and I remember seeing an interview uh, where you like Megaforce wasn't exactly the superpower it was back in the 80s, but still, you know, it, it's a still value name. And 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 I like the way you frame it. you were like, we're signed to the label that first discovered Metallica. Right. And it's like that uh, that was such a, a positive way of looking at it. And I feel that's kind of how. You sh- people people are so quick to sell themselves short when, whenever they have success. But one thing I feel I've learned from you is you shouldn't do that. You should be proud of your accomplishments and present them in the best light possible. If that's, yeah, well, of course, absolutely. Like, that's, yeah. I mean, and that's not bragging. That's just telling it. Like no, it no, is, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm always curious with uh, the profession. You know, I feel like there is a huge crossover, and I found it here. Like, I talk to metal musicians who watch wrestling all the time, and they – Talk to other metalheads about wrestling. Do you talk to any other wrestlers about metal? Like, did you Sometimes, ever have that? Sometimes, but I mean, there's the people that like all types of music, you know. And there's, but yeah, I mean, I, um, I mean, once in a while, I mean, uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bubba and I have a group text. They all talk about like Motley Crue type stuff. Mm-hmm. They're big Motley Crue guys. So we did a podcast together, a crew cast. I called it with those yeah, two yeah, guys, yeah. and 
Um, yeah, you did one with Rollins and uh, Sami yeah, Zayn. Yeah, Rollins and Sami Zayn. They're big that music fans. Yeah. Exactly. So there are guys out there who really got a big cast. He's a mm-hmm. huge music guy. He's a big Springsteen fan and loves the Beatles as well. So you'll get that. You know, yeah. certain certain guys that are into the tunes. That's cool. And, and I love with the podcast how you do have uh, stuff like that. And, and you do show this different side pro wrestlers. Uh, like well, it's a different side of, of anybody. Like, right. I don't, right. don't want to have... I know what it's like to get asked the same questions all the time yeah. and you know people always want the scoop or they want like the dirt and I don't give a shit about that. I just want to have a fun conversation. Yeah. And you know talking with Dean Ambrose on the tour bus about the Sasquatch and Bigfoot, he's a real big paranormal guy. Well, fuck. He's probably never had a chance to talk about that before. So right. I like that aspect of it. I I'm, I did one that hasn't aired yet, but it's uh I call it the classic album clash. And I did Ride the Lightning versus Master of Puppets. And it was me, Brian Posehn, comedian, and Frankie Kazarian, a Ring of Honor wrestler, all three of us giant uh, Metallica fans in different ways, mm-hmm. and just discuss. I like that, because when do you ever get a chance to put these two guys they'd never met right, before, right, right. but you're discussing something that we're all passionate, we know about. I like that. To me, Like yeah. that really is, is why I like the podcast format. I like being creative with it. Like with the Avenged Sevenfold guys, when we were just drinking one night, discussing, is there such thing as a perfect record? Well, what's the rules? Every song has to be an A minus or better. Mm-hmm. We had this great debate, me, Johnny Christ, Zachy, and, and Gates about it's a perfect album. We did a podcast on it. It caused a huge fear of people just debating oh, yeah. it. People love arguing that. It's stuff. great and debating. If you're a real music fan, mm-hmm. that's when you can really come alive, you know. And yeah. that's always been my thing. Like you know, uh, Cody Rhodes and Zach Ryder about amusement parks. Yeah, or the one uh, with Cody and uh, Xavier Wood just about them being about high, high school. school. Yeah, like, I, was... when I heard they went to high school, and they kind of were rivals. Like that's a podcast. Yeah, that it was, was amazing. a huge success. Yeah, you know, I like that side of it. Right, or even like guys like Haku you had. Uh, yeah. And that was like, to me, I've never heard Haku yeah, give an interview. And like, it was amazing just hearing the, the well, kinship that you And I've had. known King Haku since 1993. So yeah. we've got stories upon stories. And I know him. He's a very funny, personable guy. Roman Reigns. I knew he'd be great on a podcast. Oh, yeah. It took me a long time to get him. But he finally was like, one day, let's do it. Sat down with a couple beers. And he's hilarious. I love Reigns. And so I like doing that uh, so people can hear... Like this week, I had the Singh brothers. People don't know who the fuck these guys are. I've known right. them for 10 years. They've been working for 10 years to get in the WWE. So people now hear this and have a whole new respect for their journey. I like to expose that. Yeah, it's like that. It took them 10 years to be an overnight success. Well, yeah, that's like a Fozzie. <laughs> a Fozzie. We're a 17-year overnight sensation. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, I, but you got to put in the work. It goes back to what we were saying that's earlier. Exactly right. you, you know, you came from pro wrestling, and right. you were playing arenas, which, you know, a band like mm-hmm. Event Sevenfold would be used to. But, you know, you... Obviously, didn't spring Fozzie on arenas. You had to start over and, well, and, like and make the spring, towns. Yeah, didn't spring wrestling on arenas either. Right, you know, right. I always laugh when people go. So, what's it like when you, you know, play in front of eighty thousand people in the WWE, and then you go play a club in front of two hundred people? I'm like, you're missing the point. I've also played at festivals with Fozzie in front of eighty thousand people, right? And right. played a show in Macon, Georgia, with fifteen hundred people in an eight thousand seat arena with the WWE. Yeah. It's not always. 80,000 people with WWE and it's not always 200 people with Fozzie and vice versa. So there's always relative highs and lows, but the bottom line is the same. Whether it's music or wrestling, you have to entertain the crowd and you have to connect with them and make sure they have a good time. Right. So even if it's 1500 or 10,000, 10 or or 10,000 is our, is our motto. Right. Right. Like last night there, it's funny because we did El Paso as part of the Fozzie across America and the program director wanted to make it a special event. He only gave away 100 tickets, and you had to be invited, and you had to answer a trivia question. 
and he wanted it intimate and he wanted it loud and crazy. He didn't tell us that till after. So we go out in this big venue and there's a hundred people. I was like, Oh my gosh. But you know what? Once the train leaves the station, we're on stage now, you better fucking rock. And those people were going nuts and they had a blast because they wanted to be there and they're excited. And so did I. And like I said, feed any, off the energy. Absolutely. Anybody can have a great show when it's sold out. Yeah. It's when you have a smaller crowd that really tests the metal of a, of a band or wrestling too. Sometimes you go for, for a match and there's nobody there. My smallest crowd ever was seven people in Rimby, Alberta. When there was a, a, a homecoming beer bash mm-hmm. at the college, and the guy ran a wrestling show on the same night. Well, guess where all the college kids went to? The beer bash. We had seven people at wrestling. <laughs> you don't think that was fucking hard? Seeing every single person in the crowd just sitting there? Super embarrassing. Yeah. But that's how you learn how to become a better performer. You got to work past it, right? Like, even as a, as a singer, it's the same thing. You know, like, you got to. Anytime you do a show, once, like I say, like once you jump off the diving board, you're going in the water. Mm-hmm. And once that show starts and you're out there, if your microphone breaks or if your inner ears go out, or if your guitar starts, you can't stop. you got to continue. Same thing with the men. We've had matches where the, where the rope broke. You know, the ring breaks. It's like, you know what? You can't stop. Yeah. You better figure out how to, how to work around it. Uh, and uh, we were talking about your podcast and how you uh, uh, try to get a conversation. One of my... Maybe my favorite one that you did was with Andy Kindler, the comedian, because that guy is maybe the most negative person or like just a curmudgeon. And I've never heard him happier than when he was on your show. Here's (laughs) Here's another thing. I don't know Andy as a curmudgeon because we worked on this show that we did called But I'm Chris Jericho. Mm -hmm. And I just knew him as this fucking hilarious guy that we had such great chemistry. Right. And that made the difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like when I had Lemmy on my show. All I ever heard is Lemmy's not a good interview. Lemmy's mm-hmm. not a good interview. I walked in there to his house. I set up my gear, and he was looking at the internet. He's fucking around on the internet. What are you looking at, Lem? I pressed record. Oh, I'm just looking at some bases. Uh, is, is that a Rickenbacker, 1967? McCartney played it. Yeah. I'm looking at this one over here. Ten minutes, we're talking about bass, bass guitars. Next thing you know, hour and a half later, we had this wicked conversation. I have to cut him off because <laughs> he won't stop. Yeah, because he was comfortable and because we we're friends and we had the chemistry and we're not going to talk about the same old shit. And same with Andy. It's like I don't know his political views or whatever his issues are. I just know him as my friend. Andy's funny as hell. And we mm-hmm. had a great conversation. There's a lot to be said when you actually have a little bit of a relationship with somebody as well. Right. They're they're more open. They're, yeah. they're not as guarded with their exactly. You know, and, and there's also like, you know, I had Gene Simmons on. It hasn't been released yet. And I know he's on a press tour and I've seen him give the same answers to the questions, but okay, that's great because we have to talk about his product, the vault. Right, right. Available at GeneSimmonsVault.com. <laughs> but then I go into the direction, so we're having this great conversation, but you still get the job done from promotion. Yeah. And that's another thing too. Like, I understand you're promoting this. Let's talk about it. Let's work on it. Right. And then let's go talk about all this other stuff that we want to discuss. And I think really it comes from a place of empathy. You empathize yeah. with him being on a presser. You empathize with the wrestler giving an interview and, and not wanting to be like, you know, Caught. The Rock? What's The Rock like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah. So, you know, anytime I do an interview to this day and someone pulls out a, a piece of paper with questions on it, mm-hmm. I know it's not going to be good. And I'll tell yeah. you why. Because when people read the questions, um, they're only paying attention to the questions on the page. They're not paying attention to the answer. Right. Now, the way you're doing this podcast, the same way I do it, there's no questions. There's no pre- preconceived notions. It's a conversation. Just like if I met you in a bar, we would talk about whatever. I don't pull out a piece of paper and start asking, so you have a ghost shirt on. Tell us about that. You just talk. 
Yeah. And listen to the answers and then go on that and take it to wherever it needs to go. Right. You treat it like a conversation. Like you it don't is. have a notepad out when you're talking. To it is. And if someone yeah. mentions something, yeah, I was driving my car and I got a flat tire. And then I went over here and blah, blah, blah. Well, I was like, what happened with your flat tire? Well, and suddenly you might have this great story about this flat tire that so-and-so got that maybe he never told before because he just brushed over it. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, well, hold on a second. What, did you, what does that mean? So that's to me, is, is part of the fun of doing a podcast. But then, too, sometimes you get guys like I had Mike Tyson over the summer. That guy didn't want to talk. He was giving me one-word answers. But guess what? I got to get a show. Yeah, you got a job to do. So then you know what I decided? All right, Mike, you don't want to talk to me? You can sit there and listen while I talk to you. Yeah. And that's what happened. It's about 40 minutes of me talking, seven minutes of him giving one-word answers, and we got a show out of it. Was it great? I'm not sure it was great, but was it a great test for me as an interviewer? By far. One of my favorite podcasts as far as like, oh my gosh, I've asked him every single thought that I had and we've only got seven minutes. <laughs> now what do I do? And I've right. had personal experience with it. Mike knocked me out on Raw. You know, yeah, yeah. big angle. He wouldn't yeah. talk. So, all right. Got to go regroup. I've had experiences like that as well and I look at the audio file and it, it's like, oh, mine is like, all in the green, and, yeah. and then there's just like a blip. Here but you know there. what? Here's my thing. If you're going to do an interview, then fucking do an interview. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I know that we're sitting down to talk, and you expect me to hold up my end of the bargain because right. you're interviewing me. If I didn't want to do the interview, just say I don't want to do it. Right. But if you sit down, you put up you know, all your gear. Like you said, you need a show. So if I'm not responding, if someone asks me a real stupid question, I can lock up. Yeah. Because – you get those guys and they're just sometimes they're trying to take the piss or sometimes it's just not good mm-hmm. and then you gotta be like okay I, sometimes I've even texted my tour manager during a conversation go get me out of here three yeah. minutes and then I got another call and that's the way it works but other you times you got 20 around. minutes with somebody and you're enjoying yourself and you get 30 or 40 and that's what, for me too a lot of times they'll say uh, okay Adam Carroll you only got 30 minutes Rob Zombie you only got 30 minutes I'm like, alright 40 minutes later 45 minutes later they end it and we go because I can always squeeze an extra 10, 15 minutes out if you do it properly. If, if you're actually, yeah, connected yeah, with the person. You do it right, properly. yeah. And my secret to that, just quickly, is I usually sure. leave whatever it is that they're promoting till the end of the interview. Right, so when, they don't want to leave. When they I get, to, get the, to that minute 29, so you've got a new record out or whatever. <laughs> right, then, before we go, we got to yes, talk about this record. And that's right, when you right, get right. the extra 10, 15 minutes. I love it. Uh, and the other, uh, not to harp on the podcast because uh, you have a, a ton of stuff, but I just, this is something I. I don't hear you talking about so i love talking to you especially here on a podcast is that your your podcast it's like you're like the johnny carson of pro wrestling podcast you'll interview anybody and i love that you go outside the realm like you had frankie kazarian on you have the young bucks on like and also but you're smart enough to know what questions not to it's never a uh, awkward yes. conversation it's always just getting to know the person and and that's something that i I really because I remember when uh, to bring it back to like the late 90s, you know, uh, you and Eddie Guerrero and Chris, but all these people were like the glass ceiling. You're always talking about the veterans holding you down, not you specifically, but just in general yeah, I terms. Say that. Right, right, right. I don't buy that. Yeah, exactly. It's like you got to make your own thing. But what yes. I what I appreciate is that you are constantly giving back. You're working with. Uh, the young guy, like you, when you came back, well, you worked with Neville. Thing, though, and I, I love when people say that because it's, it's as if it's some kind of a of a verdict and a motto of Chris Jericho. I'm not coming back to help anybody out. If I had my way, I'd beat them all in fucking two minutes. <laughs> but I'm doing what my boss wants me to I do. See, That's see. my job. I, I'm not noble enough to come back and go, I'm going to help. Now, 
once again, don't get me wrong. I understand what my role is, and I understand there's certain guys that can use the help. Mm -hmm. I love doing that. But I also, like with Kevin Owens, it's like, oh, my gosh, I know that this, we have great chemistry here. I know this will work. So that's going to also benefit me. And I'm right. also the guy that suggested that I beat Kevin Owens for the U.S. title on my so-called last match because everyone knew that I was losing. I went in politic to win because it was way better than just me losing again. Right. But then I also shock value. Yeah, like, but I also oh. I also politic for the festival of friendship for him to put me out. So I'm not like there to just help people. I'm there for for myself to have the best storyline and the best angle. And sometimes you get the better, and sometimes you don't. That to me is is why I come back. Well, what, what you're right, and I, I didn't mean to, to no, frame no, I it that way. Say you were, okay. but other people will say that. Yeah, like ultimately, your goal is to put out the most. What's the most entertaining thing? What would work the best? It's right. Not, and and like with the festival of friendship, which to me it seems like you guys kind of figured out that like, hey, we are really funny together. Let's see where this goes. And you came up with something one week at work, then you, you like it felt like the list was like an improv thing and it worked and it became this whole thing. It was it was something we just we just thought about doing in the back, like oh, like a shit list, you know, you're gonna put you on your list. So Yes. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll go up there. Say we're, we're going to do about another ten minutes, and yeah. then we'll go deal. We'll come up there. Is it over here or? Okay. I'll come out there in ten minutes. Okay. Thank you. So you want the real behind the scenes stuff? That's it, right there. We'll figure out what kind of food that we're going to eat here too. So you could edit that out, but what I would do as a good podcaster is just leave that in there because that's the real behind the scenes stuff. It's in there. <laughs> it's in there, and I like how you but, but, you subtly you're like, hey man, you got ten more minutes. <laughs> you're a good me. podcaster. No, so the thing with Kevin, I knew that we had chemistry. Yeah. Um, I just from talking to him, knew how funny he was. But I also knew, like, I knew six months before that we could take it to WrestleMania, and Vince didn't think so. Mm. But then I'm like, well, what else do I got? I think we can really move this, really make this happen. So, I mean, sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. And last year, that's, that was lightning in a bottle, the whole Owens-Jericho thing. It was great, but that doesn't happen every day. And with the actual Festival of Friendship, I have to commit, it was one of the best segments of the year in terms of, Thank like, you. going in, I was like, oh, this will be, like, I know. You know, like it's there was like one week of like whatever, but when I saw like the showgirls and you coming out with them, I was losing. I was like, the, you, you guys went all out with this, and I loved I it. I knew from the start that they would have the showgirls, that would have friendship, the magician. Um, I don't know who came up with the creation of Kevin, that poster. Oh my god, that was unreal. And Vince's <laughs> one contribution was he wanted that statue the intertwined guggenheim or whatever oh yeah, yeah. and i was like okay so that vince wants that so and is that like a like you guys come up with it and then everyone kind of I came brains up with it and then, okay. and then everyone puts in their ideas yeah yeah so what i wanted from that in tone was i wanted a david lee roth i wanted to start as a david lee roth video from mm -hmm. the 80s and turn into the red wedding yeah. from game of thrones to where it starts off how are you what's going on and then get betrayed yeah just the best old school hollywood cheesiness that's, of like yes, i love that and really over the top yeah do that so people are almost like this is too over the top because i knew what i knew what the finish was right right and i don't care who you are people can claim no one saw that coming definitely nobody, not. Nobody i, I didn't I, but also you could tell from like the gasp in the crowd <laughs> the way I, the way I, because there was, there was actually a big debate that was approved by Vince, but then Vince wasn't there that week. Mm -hmm. And when he's not there, everyone has their opinions. And I was told, you know, Kevin's just gonna. I'm like, no, 
That's not what Vince and I discussed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's going to be too much comedy if you have the list of Owens. I'm like, not the way I'm going to play it. It's not comedy right. if you don't play it as comedy. Because what I wanted it to be was, if you're in a horror movie and you and I are in the woods and you get your head chopped off from behind, you don't even know what hits hit you. But if I see you get your head chopped off and know I'm next, that's the dread. And right. the audience knows you're screwed. I know I'm screwed. Oh, no. That's what I wanted. That moment of like, how come my name's on this? And that look, oh, no, and boom. Right, you let the audience figure it out. The audience knew it before I did because when I pulled the list up and it said the list of KO, I didn't see that. Right. they did. That's what I loved, that the subtleties in that uh, uh, bit are one of the reasons why, to me, it was one of the best things I've ever done because it was very layered and it was very intricate. And I knew exactly what I wanted from it where no one else saw it coming until it happened. Uh, one of the guys you said you collaborated with on that was uh, Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah. And there was some controversy this week where he uh, posted a photo and, yeah. and got let go. Uh, like when stuff like that happens, it's just, you know, where it's it's the business. He should, you know, like he shouldn't have posted that photo. Like, do, do you have a reaction to that or any any sort of? It's Jimmy's just that good. And if I was there, I would have maybe tried to help him out. But mm-hmm. it's not the smartest of moves. You yeah, I mean, it's if I work at McDonald's and post a picture of me hanging out with guys from Wendy's and hashtag Wendy's is great. Yeah. McDonald's might not be too happy about it. <laughs> right, right. It so you can't just say it's the business. I, I think Jimmy's a smart guy and maybe wouldn't surprise me if he knew something was going to happen. Maybe he was getting sick of it. Mm. I don't know. I just know as soon as I saw that picture, I'm like, oh, and the hashtag BC invasion. It's like, or YB invasion or whatever it was. Oh, Bullet yeah. Club invasion. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that, man. I mean, you can't. And... Was it a fireable offense? Well, it's not my decision, but obviously yeah. Vince thought it was, which tells me there was probably some other stuff that were going on that was the final straw. And that's the thing. People don't know yeah. what's going on. They think they know just by what they see, what they yeah. read. They're not there. They don't know what the day-to-day is, and that's yeah, kind of what and, and I will say this. I mean, Jimmy, last year, 2016, everything we're talking about, Jimmy Jacobs was, was my co-writer on all mm-hmm. of it. All of it. And the weeks he wasn't there, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't like this. I want Jimmy here. <laughs> so he's very talented, and, like, he really got me. Yeah. And the, I worked with him a few times, and I went to Dave Kapoor, and I said, I want I want Scoville, which is his real name, Chris Scoville, mm-hmm. on every Jericho promo. I want to work with him exclusively, nobody else. Because that's so much I trusted his judgment and his instincts. It was amazing comedy like not just for wrestling just comedy in general just in general yeah yeah like i thought like the drinking in man and all the different but all that tags stuff, on that but all that stuff got heat at first right well i think the gift of jericho drinking in man, boo stupid idiots boo right it's just that when you say it then people start loving it like the, the it thing i wanted to just see if i could get it over just as a as like a game for myself mm-hmm. that got over quiet 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 that got over just thing after thing after thing after thing because when you have confidence I'm not afraid to try anything. I can get anything over. I know I can do it. And I feel like repetition helps something it get does. over. It does. And timing. And, yeah. And, and with that, let's talk about your new album, Judas. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. You got about five uh, minutes. I got to go eat before this next thing. Uh, well, like, really quickly, though, the song itself is your most successful song. By far. And Top I've been, 10. Number nine today, we just found out. I've been listening to the album. And one thing that sticks out to me on this album is the hooks. Mm. Uh, Burn It Down, I believe, is one of the Burn songs. Burn Me Out. Burn me out. Thank you. That like that hook is just super catchy. Yeah. And it's like there's a lot of like uh, I want to say like Motley Crue-ish 80s like uh, riff, like like just the attitude kind of of just like this is a fun time. Let, let's have some memorable songs. And I think it's something that's kind of you don't really see too much in metal. Metal is like about 
being well, the heaviest. And, and I would say we're more of like a hard rock band. And I mm-hmm. think there's never been any Motley Crue influence in our band, but there's definitely like, as I always say if Metallica and Journey had a bastard child and it was mm. raised and it was raised by ACDC. That's kind of what our sound that's is like. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, we really worked on the choruses and the hooks of this record because we wanted it to be like, like Appetite for Destruction or Hysteria or Kick by NXS. Right, right, right. Where if the record company wanted 10 singles, we could deliver them 10 or 11 singles. And Judas, as huge as it is, was not the unanimous first choice for a single. Mm-hmm. Some people wanted Painless, some wanted Elevator, so, and Burn Me Out was another one. And so we have like two or three others locked and loaded, ready to go. That could be even bigger than Judas. Yeah, there's so a lot of that's the good thing this. about it. I think uh, "Weight of the World" was one of them. That's another one. Yeah, that I mean, that hook is very catchy. There's a lot of great Wordsworth ways, so epic. And I mean, there's the three days in jail. Is, there's a lot of real catchy stuff. And now you guys are going to be out there promoting this. I'm sure you're going to be doing a ton of touring, and then you're doing this cruise next year, which I think is awesome. I've seen metal on a cruise i've seen uh rich wars other bands like mojo on the last right, right, right. but i've never seen wrestling on a cruise yeah. and i think it, it makes perfect sense well to that's me. what i wanted to do we did fozzy did the kiss cruise a couple years ago mm-hmm. as soon as i got off the boat i was like i can do this i can do a rock and wrestling it was gonna i was gonna call it the chris cruise uh, but they didn't <laughs> like that at first but uh rock and wrestling mm-hmm. the two things that i'm known for right that no one else in the world can claim to have done is at the highest of levels that I have mm-hmm. and we could do this on a cruise ship what if we put a fucking wrestling ring on the boat have the matches at sea and combine it with some great rock and roll bands great comedians some paranormal discussions live podcasts basically all the stuff that I'm into and put it on a boat right and that was the idea and dude I'll tell you what it took me two years to get it going two years at, actually at one point we were ready to announce ready to roll and we lost the boat someone swooped in and basically stole it away from us. Mm-hmm. You don't think that wasn't disheartening after working on it for a year and then having to work it for another year. And now that it's out, fuck, I, I wish it was sold out today. It's not, but it's moving and it's every day I get the cabin numbers and someday we sold 15 cabins and some days we sold one cabin and I'm like 30 cabins and then like no cabins. And it's like driving me crazy, but we've also got a year to go and we're going to sell it out. I'm going to make this a yearly thing. Because I think people will really be into it because, like you said, it's never been done before. And mm-hmm. if it's never been done before, then I'm the guy to do it. So I'm excited uh, um, about the whole concept that we actually got up and running. So yeah. it's a hell of a lineup, too. And to, and to bring it. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. You'll check out the lineup and see everybody that's on it and, and the prices. And realize that when you go on the cruise, you don't have to spend any money. Yeah. It's all, you don't have to pay 50 bucks for autograph. You get all that shit. Food, all you got to pay for is booze and gambling. So if you like to drink and gamble, I can't pay for it, but everything else is taken care of. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for taking thank some you, time. Thank you, brother. Good stuff. Good it's job. Been, it's been a pleasure. Thank Excellent you. That work. means a lot to me. Good stuff. Who's, who's the biggest guest you've had on your show? Uh, on this? Well, I mean, I guess we're not. Besides me? You. You're right. <laughs> Who else, though? Uh, well, I've had on this specific podcast, I've had Corey Taylor. Uh, I had Frankie Kazarian on. Nice. Um, I've had Kenny Omega. Cool. And so, so good guys then. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I've talked to, like on my website, Metal Injection. Oh, I know uh, that. Is that your website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get you. I think that was yours. Retweet us. Yeah, yeah. So this is the this is just the wrestling podcast I do on cool. the metal side, and that you know Did I've you talk- send me a DM lately or uh no maybe that's metal there's a lot of metal there's a lot of metal metal rejection or metal (laughs) conjection or (laughs) yeah but i've 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 talked to metallica would be the biggest band i've ever james and robert you got james yeah on the the revolver how much time did you get it was like 
not even four it was five minutes. it was like three <laughs> questions but just to be in the presence of him yeah that's very just cool, to tell man. him how much robert's usually again. the guy that gets all the interview time with uh with guys like us i had robert three times and then i had lars which was great oh yeah I, I, I that was lars, yeah, that so. was an awesome one too. well cool man i'm gonna go eat some food and then uh, go to the next uh, stage yeah work, thanks brother work this stuff thank Cheers. you so much chris well new york city in the background as i Welcome you back to this portion. Wasn't that awesome? Chris Jericho couldn't have been cooler. I wish we could have talked for another hour, but the man is a busy man. He had dinner to eat. He had meet and greet to do. And uh, it was really cool talking to him and, and, and just being in the same room and hearing him talk about the Festival of Friendship and, and the psychology behind it and all that cool stuff. And I've been a big fan of Chris Jericho for a long time, and I'm definitely going to try to get my way on the Chris Jericho cruise Next year, that seems like a whole lot of fun. Uh, other than the Chris Jericho, some news in the metal in the wrestling world. Not uh, news in the metal world. You get on the site metalinjection.net. News in the wrestling world this week was that Jimmy Jacobs, who we talked about briefly with the Jericho interview, was released after allegedly because he posted a photo with Bullet Club. Now, I'm honestly, I wasn't really surprised. I thought when I saw the photo initially, I couldn't believe that he posted it. I couldn't believe that while he was at work, he went outside of his job, took a photo with these guys. Obviously, WWE super pissed about the Bullet Club invasion sketch or whatever that was. And they sent a cease and desist to the Young Bucks. And now they let go Jimmy Jacobs. One thing that was interesting is in the interview with Jericho, he mentioned how he's not sure if that was the only reason and he thought it might have been To me, it seemed like Jericho was suggesting that maybe Jimmy Jacobs intentionally got himself fired or maybe he was kind of looking to move on from WWE, which is uh, one of the reasons he took the photo. And it didn't really hit me that that's what he was implying until later on that night when Ring of Honor had its iPay-Per-View in Chicago, where at the end of it, the Young Bucks are in the ring with the rest of the Bullet Club, and they're like, hey, we should do a Bullet Club selfie. Does anyone in the crowd have a phone? And the camera pans, and there's Jimmy friggin' Jacobs in the crowd in Chicago a few days after uh, the report came out that he was fired, and he took a selfie with the Young Bucks, with the Elite, with the Bullet Club, And I thought that was an amazing piece of business that the Young Bucks and Ring of Honor did. A great way to get publicity for the show. And it kind of showed that, like, all the stuff that WWE did with the cease and desist, with uh, letting go Jimmy Jacobs, all it did was kind of make the Young Bucks more over. (laughs) They, They, WWE couldn't have done the Young Bucks a bigger favor by sending them that cease and desist. Everyone had those cease and desist shirts. They became the hottest selling shirt on pro wrestling tees. Bullet Club is on fire right now. It is crazy how over they are. And and personally, I'm curious to see how long they could sustain such overness. I mean, look, when, when Kenny Omega's in the team and Kenny Omega's having six-star matches, it's easy to keep that guy over. Young Bucks have great matches. But, like, there's a lot of... Uh, it's a lot of talk. It's, it's kind of reminding me a lot of the NWO back in the day, but... The thing about the NWO back in the day is it got old really quick and it just got repetitive. And, and I, you know, the last thing I want to see is Bullet Club Jump the Shark because it is so fun. Other than that, it's, it's going to be pretty quiet. We got TLC next week. Uh, WWE, I've, I've honestly, I can't think of a time. I can think of a time, but it's, this is one of the 
least exciting times in WWE history. For me, I'm not that engaged. I've been fast-forwarding through on SmackDown. I've been watching far more New Japan. But I am interested in this Shield reunion. I think that's really cool, and I'm obviously curious about Asuka's debut. I'm assuming she's going to crush it. She's going to destroy Emma. And it should be a fun pay-per-view. And after that, I'm really looking forward to Power Struggle from New Japan. And that should be cool because the main event of that is Tanahashi versus Ibushi. And everybody knows how I feel about Ibushi. I'm a big fan. That's going to wrap it up for me on the Squared Circle Pit. Thank you, as always, for listening. Follow us on the Twitter, at Squared Circle Pit. No E in circle. Also on Facebook.com slash Squared Circle Pit. Follow me at Rob Injection. I'll be back in about two weeks with another new episode. And don't forget, you can win a copy of Chris Jericho's brand new book, No is a Four-Letter Word, How I Failed at Spelling but Succeeded at Life. All you got to do is you got to email me, rob at mentalinjection.net, with the answer to this trivia question. What was Chris Jericho's WCW pay-per-view debut? Who was it against and what was the name of the event? Email me, first person to get it right, wins the book. Easy peasy. See you in a few weeks.